So can you teach an old dog new tricks? Well, evidently, yes, you can. This session is all about modern selling and influencing. And it just turns out there is a way to get hold of people. It turns out the referrals done this way is way better. Tony Morris, who is he? Well, he's a family man turned sales guru. He's from Hertfordshire and he taught me loads. Now, can he do the same for you? Let's find out. Let's do this. All right, Tony, let's talk about sales and sales performance. So what's the biggest challenge that you see at the moment in sales? Biggest challenge is probably getting hold of people is always been a challenge and it's it's getting so, worse and worse. Why? Be- because people are hiding behind um, their social profiles now. I think, you know, cold calling, they say cold calling is dead. I, I don't agree with that, but I do agree you need to warm the prospect up. In order to do that, you've got to know where they're based. Right. Because I believe we should put something in the post first. That's I like lumpy mail. Um, but I've still got to get them on the phone. There are software out there like Lusher, Rocket Reach that normally scrapes data yep. to get the mobile. But that's probably the biggest challenge, actually getting someone on Rocket the phone. Rocket Reach, Cognizant. That's right. Yeah. So these tools are often pretty good, but getting hold of someone is still one of the biggest problems because if you can't speak to them, you Love can't it. pitch them. All right. So getting hold of people is, mm. big, is a big problem right now. Any, mm. other, any other challenges in sales right now? So the way definitely things have changed, I think COVID has made things better in terms of you can now do more meetings which is right. great um however it's i still prefer face to face i think most people do to build real rapport um but i i think so that's a positive that we can actually now have 10 yeah. meetings in a day rather than three or four face to face but i think the other challenge is buyers are so much better prepared than ever before they now say that buyers are 60 percent through the buying process by the time you first speak to them so your knowledge has to be to another level to better educate them and add value and and i think look in a way it's a good thing because salespeople now can't blag they've actually got to be genuine professionals you've got to have the skills now hey yeah you really do now it's about you know now you're showing your value your worth so I think it's a positive thing, although some salespeople who have blagged in the past will find that a frustration. Any other challenges? Getting hold of people, buyers are more educated. Any other challenges right now? I think more players are in the market. So now, you know, sometimes competition. you're the competition. So your product might be seen as a commodity. So it's probably a little bit harder to differentiate yourself and how to articulate, you know, your value proposition. Right. Obviously, that's something I teach and help people with, but that is difficult. So take action coach, you know, there's a lot of other coaches, mentors yeah. out there. So what? why should someone invest X thousands of pounds with an action coach rather than all the other competitors? Got it, well, let's, let's go over each of yeah, those, all right? Of course. So, so getting hold of people, how do mm. we overcome that right now? Mm. I think you've got to think outside the box. So I think I like to find out where someone's based. That's quite easy online to find out their address, office address. Send them something in the post to warm them up. I think it's quite easy to get their email address. And yeah. I use BombBomb as my platform yeah, to do videos, good. which is pretty cool. So I send a video. So they're more receptive to a call. And then, like, like we touched on, I use either Cognizum. I quite like Lusher. I think that seems to be the best tool, which scrapes data from LinkedIn Premium. Normally, you get a mobile number. There is a little trick I teach actually to get a mobile, and it's a bit cheeky. But you phone up, let's say either the PA or a an influencer, and you say, "Look, James, hope you can help. I've got Tony Morris's mobile, but it's not connecting. Can I read the number I've got, and then you can help me?" So you read out any number, and they often say it's totally the wrong number. <laughs> you need blah blah blah, and but it's the, cheeky, but it works. Okay. Got and it. the truth is, I, I believe we're there to add value and to help people. So as long as I can have two minutes of someone's time yeah. to demonstrate where I can help them, they're grateful for my call anyway. Now, getting hold of people, mm. so you, you, you've neatly shown us a way to overcome mm. that. I'm just going to go the opposite way for a second. Yeah, please. Is that an excuse for some salespeople? As probably. Well. <laughs> yeah, probably. If, if, I'm, and I mean it in the best, in the nicest of ways. Yeah. Because it, there's a reality there. It's, yep. it's actually tougher to get older people right now. Mm. Um, Salespeople are lazy. So, you know, pr- basically they're lazy so, often. So they, you're absolutely right. They could be saying, I've tried, I've tried. But then if they're managed properly, they're using a CRM and we can track now yeah. 
how many times they've actually tried, who they've tried. And there's other techniques to find out other stakeholders. So if you can't get hold of one, you'd like to get hold of one right. of the stakeholders. All right, so the buyers are more educated then. Mm. How do we overcome that? Be more educated than them. You know, you're the expert. So I think there's plenty of insights that can still be shared. So the buyers are more educated about what they're buying. Yes. Are you saying be more educated about them than their stuff? Both. About what they're consuming? Both. <laughs> so definitely. So understand their company almost as well, if not better than them. Really understand how do you do the market. That? I mean, how, yeah, Research. So one of my biggest markets is property, real estate. And I've trained over 350 estate agents. And people said to me, Tony, you know, which agent did you start your career with? And I said, I've never been an agent. And they literally don't believe me. But I, I have studied real estate in the UK so well that I could, you know, without being arrogant, go out and sell a property, right? But I, I know all the techniques because I've, I've observed, I've practiced, I've, I've developed models that have been rehearsed, 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 rinsed and repeated, and they work. So I, so when I go in with an agent, I can teach them very quickly how to triple their stock level. But I can equally help a buyer or a vendor or a seller. I can educate them on the market without even being an agent. And that, that builds immediate trust, credibility. And they're more likely to work with me or the agent. Is it, you, you did mention on this point earlier on about differentiation. Yes. Are there any key little things that people need to start with on this, you know, mm. this competitive landscape? Yeah. Yes, there is. So a lot of people talk about a USP, right, unique selling point. I've got a bit of an issue with that because it might be unique, great, yeah. but we're using it to sell and no one likes to be sold to. So that's right. Nice. So if you think about the selling point, that's serving us, not the customer. Yeah. So I think it should be a UCB, a unique client benefit. So we need to truly understand what, what's vital to our buyers. And I say buyers because it, there's often multiple stakeholders, depending on the size of the business, the size of the product service. And we need to know their priorities. And that's all about really good questioning and really good listening. And once I know that, I can then articulate the relevant... UCBs based on their priorities. I, lo I love that U UCBs because I've mm. heard of you know val um, USP is unique selling, selling proposition. Point, yeah, UVP unique value. Yeah, proposition. yeah, absolutely. So, so now you, you've taken that to it because it's all about them. It's the first thing I learned in sales twenty four years ago. Is every Benefit. prospect you meet, they've got a whiteboard above their head that says it's all about me make it about them and the second they think they're being sold to they actually get very defensive so, so let's give me an example of a unique client benefit, benefit. Yeah. yeah great question so let's take my business i run a sales training company one ucb is we with every retained client we have a whatsapp group or a slack group so their team have instant access to me so anytime one of the salespeople have a challenge a problem a question they have instant access to me so when i'm next available i can respond so i'm seen as an external coach and my fees, are, I'm not cheap. So that individual salesperson is, is being massively invested in to exceed their goals. And that's a big US, UCB. You know, WhatsApp, Slack, it, there is something instant about that compared yes. with emails now, isn't it? Has Definitely. email gone? No, depends what you're using it for. I think, again, lazy salespeople are hide behind email. Keyboard warriors, but, right? So some businesses now, you can go on the website mm. and you can literally get into a WhatsApp conversation yeah. as part Agreed. of their sales process. So I think that's becoming more dominant now than email. I really do see it going like that. And then I think video messaging is becoming even more popular now than a normal written message. So for LinkedIn outreach, I always recommend doing a personalized video, but also I send video business cards for any prospect I want to work with. They'll get a video business card in the post followed by a phone call. Yeah. I mean, even your family calls, you know, in the past, like to even 10, 15 years ago, FaceTime was there, but yeah. people didn't use it so much. Now, now it's, it's not, it's the way around. You you always COVID, call your right? parents on a video Absolutely. Call. COVID is, that's, it's everything is video now. I think Jeb Blunt talks now that since COVID, 78% of prospecting should start with a video to warm. 78% he believes so I don't know about the other 22 but he believes 78% of prospecting starts with video content sticking on sales performance mm. you did mention two big priorities mm. massive priorities on sales performance questioning and listening yeah. which one do you want to go with first go with questioning first where is that so I've written a talk called ask better questions get better results and what I find with most salespeople 
They don't have the will to even ask the question in the first place, but massively don't have the skill to ask it in the right way. And I've, I've worked with 38,000 salespeople. I've listened to, I can't even remember how many sales conversations. And most often they're asking really bad questions, but expecting the right answer. Is it will or courage? Is it, mm. because surely a salesperson going into a meeting, their intentions mm. surely are positive or you know, yeah. they want to ask some good questions. But, but when they get to it, do they bottle it? I think so. I think they're, they're scared of being seen as desperate, pushy, um, having commission breath, I call it. I think they're scared of that. I mean, they, they are sort of 80s, 90s connotations yeah. of sales, aren't they? Pushy yeah. salespeople. And unfortunately, it's some salespeople, especially in sort of the car sales industry, it's still seen like that, unfortunately. And estate agents are not seen as good salespeople, pushy, frustrating salespeople. So I think... You know, one thing I train on is actually asking better questions. And I call them killer questions. And once you know, ultimately, your best set of questions, you can keep using those pretty much Tell every you what, time. Who also uses that? Phil Heskeff. He, yes, yeah, I love yeah, Phil. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's got Phil's this little awesome. business card and you yeah. just pause out like this and there's 50 killer yeah. questions on it uh, for does. salespeople. But yeah, he's, he's great. Phil, he's great. So, so go on then. Give me one of your killer questions. Yes. Okay. So let's say I want to know, are you a decision maker? Often a salesperson will say, you know, is this your decision? Can you sign this off? They might go, yes, I can. It's the wrong question because it doesn't mean they're the only person that can. Yeah. So I'll say, you know, aside from you, who else will be involved? And you'll say it's me, Sarah, and, and yeah. Mike. Then I do a justification statement. I say, look, I need to meet you, Sarah, and Mike. You're all going to have different questions. I'm going to want to answer those so together you can make an informed decision. So that increases my probability of securing a meeting with the three of you. If I only meet you, you are now selling my product to Sarah and whoever else I said, Mick. And we can't have that because it's all about probability. So the, the key question at the beginning is, aside from you, who else will be involved in this? And your follow-up to that question, because mm. what I got from that was confidence. Mm. Well, this guy's got a structure here. He's, yeah. he's got a process that we're following yeah. here. I'm makes sense i'm not it's mm. irrefutable really the mm. point that you made because you're all going to have different questions correct that you'll want me to answer and it becomes very difficult to challenge right so i'll give you another killer question i mentioned earlier that because there's so many competitors um you they struggle to differentiate and often price then becomes the differentiator yeah. right which you never ever want but if it does fall into that, there's a way you can question out of it. So let's say you're an estate agent and let's say your fee's 2% and the seller will say- 2%. To you, right, yeah, well, that's what they should be <laughs> commanding. The seller will go, you're mad, they're 1.5%, yeah. I'm going to go with them. Yeah. And you say, look, I appreciate that. If our fees were identical, who would you choose? Now, if they choose them, you're stuffed, <laughs> but they won't. Otherwise, they wouldn't have raised the price objection. Exactly. So they'll go, well, I'd choose you, James, if your price was the same. And I say, look, I'm really pleased. Just for some feedback, why would you choose me? You zip up, and now they Let are selling sell you, you. Yeah, yeah. back to you. And you go, do you now understand why we come on that little bit more? Which is nice, right? So it's, it's that reverse psychology, because the best person to persuade themselves is themselves. Everybody listening right now is mm. just paying attention to exactly that point because it's real classic objection handling. Gives it again. Okay. So take price as a challenge, yeah. right? And this doesn't have to be real estate. It's anything, Yeah, but right? just give us that 1.5%. So, yeah, so yeah, so, you know, my fees are £10,000. I'm being compared to Crap & Co, who are 7000 yeah. right? And you say, look, I get that. Can I just ask, if price was identical, my fee was the same as Crap & Co, who would you choose? They would always say you. And you say, look, I'm really pleased to hear that. Just for some feedback, why would you choose me? And then they'll say things like, well, you've, you know, you've sold three properties like mine in the last month. Great. What else? Well, the, all of your sales team you've mentioned are all qualified. That yeah. does mean quite a lot to me and my partner. You say, great. Do you now understand why we command that little bit more? And it becomes very hard to, to argue that. Yeah, love Love that little technique on objection handling there and price. Beautiful. Never, never heard that before. And I've Good. heard a lot of the stuff in sales. So questioning, anything else on questioning? Yeah, so I don't know why, but most salespeople start with closed questions. And if we look at closed questions, they're okay to clarify, you know, does that make is sense? Is this more salespeople or is this 
the people. layperson. Is I this think just the layperson. Is it an easier way? Is it the non-thinking about it? You know what? I, I actually don't know. You know, so I'm sure there's been psychology <laughs> studies this, right? I'm sure there is, but I just know sort of the default setting is closed questions. And then what, what's happening is we're getting so little from our prospect or yeah. customer. Yeah, yeah, true. We're sitting there thinking, God, they're hard work. And they're not. You're just asking crap questions. I'll give you another example. Take real estate. They'll say to a buyer, um, have you been looking long? Yeah. And have you seen anything you like? No. And they look at me, these salespeople, and they're like, God, he's hard work. Yeah. I was like, he's it's not. Like you just blood out the store. Correct. So change the question. You've been looking a few weeks now. What's the best property you've seen so far? Yeah. And they'll talk about this lovely bungalow. Oh, yeah, I know that one in Cherry Close. What specifically attracted you to it? Now I've got you engaged. So it's about making a list of the key information you want to ascertain and extract yeah. and then designing killer questions around those and you'll start just by process of elimination yeah. you'll start to work out which ones get the most information and you keep doing them you just have them on repeat get them talking open questions all right anything else on question before we move on to listening yes the final mistake sales people make is they load questions so they'll say for example um what is it what's important to you when choosing a company is it their fee? And the buyer will go, yeah, yeah, it's their fee. So I don't know why salespeople don't. I think they do it because they don't like silence. So when they ask an open question and they're not getting a response, you know, is it the fee? Whereas actually we ask the question, zip. Let that prospect or customer, let them process mm -hmm. it, let them think about it, then get feedback because they don't like silence either. Well, naturally we're already into listening here with silence and zipping. The magic zip, if you like. So what stops salespeople listening? They like the sound of their own voice, pretty much. And what I notice with... Uh, that's an adage more than... But they do. ...belief, but, but surely. They, well, I, th I think... Because, the, you know, when you get salespeople mm. to listen to the call, I don't like the sound of my own voice. <laughs> yeah, they say that, yeah, yeah. but they do, right? They do. Their actions and, tell you they do. Correct. And I think the other mistake is they most salespeople who are listening are listening to respond. They're not actually listening. Whereas top producers listen to learn because the questions actually should come from the information that we get out of our yeah. prospect or customer, where often it doesn't. They're sitting there thinking, right, when's it my go? And then you're never going to engage. It's never going to be, a, it's, you know, it becomes an interrogation, not a conversation. Is liking the sound of your own voice, is that ego? Yep. I would say it is. Is ego important in sales? No, I don't think so. I think Not confident. Well, I think you've got to be confident. I think you have self-belief. Is that ego? I don't know if that's ego. I don't think it is. I think you, you do, for a buyer to buy into you, you've got to have passion, yeah. belief. You've got to be confident, yeah. but you can't be arrogant. And there is a fine line. Yeah. How do you maintain mm. the right side of that line? Mm. Yeah, good, good question. How do you maintain? I think it's a gut feeling and I think you have to gauge feedback from people because people don't really like arrogant people. So you yeah, need to you're gauge. right. I don't think people in the UK, especially like egos. Yeah. So I think therefore you need to sort of, you know, if you, you, if you are that sort of egotistical person and you're getting that sort of negative feedback, be it body language, IQs, whatever it might be, you're thinking, right, I've stepped over that line. I need to rein it in. Because it is hard, you know, if, if we, someone's knowledgeable, passionate and confident, it's difficult. We did an interview with Mary Portis recently mm. and she was exceptional. And, and basically what she was saying is you better be a decent human being mm. before you're anything else. Mm. You know, before you go into sales, you, you mm. better have good values. You better Absolutely. be a decent human being. And, you know, that passion, belief, confidence, the question about, I asked about staying the right side, mm. that, that actually thought popped mm. up. Well, you've got to be authentic. You've got to be real. You've got to be genuine. You've got to be transparent. And a lot of salespeople, unfortunately, don't believe they are. And, and then what happens is they have commission breath and they become desperate. And, and that's Does that come with age, experience, wisdom? I think definitely age and experience helps. Yes, it does. And I think it's it's an inner confidence. Yeah, I think they I think salespeople need to understand how they genuinely serve and help people. And when they know that, they should become very passionate about it. They should therefore be very confident in what they're saying and offering. 
And that's their personality, their real personality should shine through. Can anyone be a top salesperson? Or, that's or a really other, good question. Other, other, you know, be, be mindful of this, this, and this before you choose choosing to forge your career forward. I, so, can anyone be a good salesperson? I, as running a sales training company, I would say yes, they can. But I would also caveat that with it's easier for for a certain type of person to to go into sales. Easier, however, that person or group of people where it's easier for them, they still need training. They still need help. And what I notice with the top 1%, they all have a coach. They've all got a mentor. They are all work in progress. Probably the top 1% in any walk of life. Yeah, agreed. So I remember I interviewed Art Subject, one of the first uh, books I read on sales called Smart Calling. He's now in his fourth edition. He's amazing. He taught me that Art Subject. So he taught me the aside from you technique. Right, I read it from him. He's amazing. And I was interviewing him on my podcast and he said to me, Tony, no one graduates from the school of selling. I thought, I love that. And this is a guy who's been in sales 50 years. You know, he's self-made multi-multi-millionaire. It's so powerful, isn't it? But it's great, right? And it does. It makes you think he's got a really no fair point. No one graduates, you know, <laughs> and those that think they have normally aren't that successful. You know, because what you're saying is, I don't want to get any better than I am. Right. Let's move on to another area that you're really passionate about, which is productivity. Mm. What is productivity in sales? Where does it start and how, how do I so produce more? Productivity for me is about working smart. And you know, if you look at any salesperson, we all have the same hours in the day, right? It's so time management doesn't exist because time yeah. is, yeah. So it's, I believe it's task management. So if you look at the best salespeople that are most productive, they just use their time smarter. And I'll give you a couple of examples. So any top producer, number one, when they're writing proposals, hopefully they've got a software so it's automated now, which I use better proposals. It's great. Cool, Quiller, yeah? Yeah. So it's the same one, isn't it? Same one. So, so that's the first thing. So you're making life easier so you can be more productive. The second thing is the time you're working on it should not be cool time. Because I could do it at 7 a.m. when I'm on the train, where I can't make sales calls really at 7 a.m. It depends on time zone and also on the train, bad so service. Outside of prime selling times. Correct. The other thing is the pilot doesn't serve drinks on the plane. So salespeople should be delegating as much as they can apart from their superpower, which is selling. So a really true sales professional, their role should be prospecting for new business, referrals from existing business, um, attending meetings be it virtual or face-to-face and that's pretty much it maximize the time 40 hours a week on that yeah and and i think you know look jeb blunt talks about blocking time blocking so you block which i totally get and he's got a do not disturb i'm in prospecting i love that i've got that my office door but it's you know i like power hours is that how it finishes do not disturb i'm in yeah so it's it's do not disturb um i think it's do not disturb i'm prospecting yeah something like that which i love but, and he talks about, you know, just one more call. But it's something most salespeople don't do. It goes back to a lot of salespeople are lazy, unfortunately. They want the, they want the easy fix. I'll tell you, Anthony Steer said that in an interview I did with him. When you've just booked that meeting mm. or you, you, you've just had that success, make two more call, uh, calls as soon as Definitely. possible. Definitely. He's right. Because the momentum... Whereas yeah. most salespeople, I was with a client oh, two yes. weeks ago. Yeah. Oh and not even worse than that, I, I heard this one guy, Faz, he's a great sales guy, and he had a really good conversation. He didn't secure the meeting. Great conversation. He put the phone down, he went, and he started walking around the office. I was like, mate, what, what the hell are you doing? He's like, oh, I want to share it. I was like, share what? You had a good conversation. Get back on the phone, you idiot. He's like, yeah, fair comment. So whereas the one, you know, Ian, who's the most successful there, Funny enough, doesn't do that. He's sitting there grafting and he's got his leads ready. So when he's doing his hour, he's not lead searching. He has his clear leads ready. He knows exactly what his goal is on every call uh, and he's prepared for it. So you, you were saying the, the PST or prime selling time, they, yeah. they, do you do it in hour blocks? I think so, but purely from an energy perspective. How many are there? Four a day. Two morning, two afternoon. Yeah. I would say so. A little break in between. A little break in between to check emails, priority emails, also to prepare leads yep. for that day. Um, 
But in terms of when you're having a great call and then you've got to send an email with certain information, I'd highlight that and do that right at the end of the day. Yeah. I, I personally don't think you should be typing where on the phone. I suppose it depends on the product you're selling, the market you're selling into. So you've got notes there and you know during that day you put them onto whatever CRM you use, I use HubSpot. Yeah. So you do that, but again, out of call time. Pretty, pretty popular these days is HubSpot. Yeah, HubSpot's great. The app's great. You know, it's, it's easy. Um, anything else then around productivity? You know, task management being, the, you know, what you call it about. Yeah. It's, so it's about, so I call it ROT, return on time. You've got to look at, you know, there was an amazing story, an amazing book called Will It Make the Boat Go Faster? Yeah, yeah. You know, Ben Hunt Davis, and I what, love it. What, that's what they had to say no to, yeah? Exactly that, right? And, and so the salespeople should be asking, will this earn me money? Right? Will this earn me money? Because most salespeople, even the most experienced, are not going to be on more than probably 100k basic. Yeah, maybe a tiny bit more, but they're not retiring on their basic. And therefore, it's about the bonus, the commission scheme. And that's where they're going to make their money. That's where they're going to start to earn a million yeah. a year, you know, and upwards. Super professional salespeople. Um, therefore, every task they're doing, they need to be questioning that is, is this adding value to my pipeline? I suppose, look, when you start talking those numbers that you mentioned, the 100 grand, the million mm. a year, you start thinking about what can I delegate out here? Yeah. You start thinking about prospecting, referrals, attending meetings. I'm going to maximise my time on there. I'm going to do minimum Correct. amounts of that. And most salespeople, I say, why haven't you got a VA, like a virtual assistant? Like, oh, it's, it's 20 pounds an hour. I'm like, okay, <laughs> so why haven't you got one? I don't want to spend. I said, okay, well, let's just look at that, right? Let's work out your hourly rates. When you work out your hourly rate is, say, £150 an hour, <laughs> then why would you be doing a £20 an hour job when we just established that's your hourly rate? And then you say, yeah, can your VA make those sales calls? No. But can she, he or she type up those notes? Yes. There's your answer. So smart sales professionals will have a resource to delegate. And if they don't have the resource internally within their company... Then they find, you know, they find it, you know, with the likes of Upworks, Fiverr, there's enough skilled freelancers at your fingertips. To, Is it to more utilize. than smart? Is it smart and ambitious? Um, and yeah, hungry. well, you've got to have, look, you have to have drive and everyone's got different goals, right? Some people are very happy with a lifestyle business yep. where they're very happy to earn 250 grand a year. They don't want more than that because for them, it's more important maybe to have outside of work time which is great it all depends what your drivers are but i think if you're in sales often you're motivated by making money and doing something with that money yeah. and therefore to be successful you've got a graft it's never given to you you know a lot of sales people go oh, bob who's amazing well, he's got the big accounts but he's got big big accounts for a reason either he's acquired them or he's been given them and he's been given them because he's bloody good that's why he's got them. So, you know, stop being jealous. Just learn what did Bob do to be successful and model it, you know? Success leaves footprints. Learn from them rather than bitch and moan of why is Bob so lucky? He did say that earlier on, actually. Listen to learn. Mm. You know, I'd, I thought you were going to go with the I'm listen to you were to listening. Uh, I'm uh, you were listening. I, I thought you were going to go with the listen to understand piece there. But, you know, learning's part of everything, especially as, I mean, sales... I mean, it, it's so cutthroat, isn't it? It's yeah. like it's like sport. You, the feedback is given to you straight away. The result is the result. It's vital. Well, that's a really good point. So one thing I advise all my clients is when they win business, get feedback, you know, and say, look, it's not for my ego. I want to learn why did you choose me or why did you choose my company, Zip? Get some feedback because the narrative they're using, we could then use to other prospects. Testimonials. Exactly. And we can use it for marketing material because they'll use words that we maybe hadn't considered. So that's the first thing. But it's even more important when you lose. It was Nelson Mandela said, you never lose. He says, you win and you learn. So if you ever lose a piece of business. Nelson Mandela, then Thierry Henry. Correct. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Loves. I used to, I, my, my mates are gooners. But yeah. But... But the, the key here, right, is where's the lesson? So I, when I'm coaching salespeople, I'm always like, when they do a bad call in there, right? I say, right, what did you take from it? Where was the lesson? R where they're bitching and moaning that they didn't achieve their goal. Yeah. Say, great, you didn't get it, but what did you get? What question could we have changed to get a different outcome? They're not thinking like that. Whereas 
real professionals say, I had a great day today. Two things I learned actually to develop myself was A and B. Whereas most salespeople say, shit day, made no appointments. So they're focusing on what they didn't get as opposed to what they did get. What if you're a business owner? Yep. And you own the business, but you're doing some marketing, you're doing some sales, you're doing a little bit of hiring over people. I can as relate well. to this. So this is a small business owner. What do they do? Because we've been talking like sales pros, mm. assuming they've got 40 hours a week. Yep. What about a business owner that's not got those 40? Yep. So they've got three options. Either they learn how to sell and sell, option one. Option two is they recruit a good sales person or then a sales team. Or three, they outsource. So there's a lot of outsource sales companies now. You've got to find the right one for your business, your product, your service, your market. But they're your options. I mean, I... I don't really sell now for my business. I'm I'm the speaker for my company and I deliver some training. But, you know, my, my price point comes at a premium. So I have a team now of experts that deliver my brand, my you methodology. You don't sell, but you're prepared to go in the hot seat, aren't you? You're prepared to do live sales calls. Yeah, so for me, it's not, yeah, yes, I am. But really, I do it for a couple of reasons. I do it to demonstrate everything I teach. Right, because I have a methodology that I've created. I know it works because I've tried and tested it thousands of times. So I am prepared to stand in front of a thousand people, make a live call to demonstrate everything that I've taught them. And I don't always win, right? I'm human, but if I don't get the right outcome, I'm I'm able to understand where it went wrong, right? And it's often my fault. But I'm able to pinpoint the question I asked that was wrong, maybe a statement I made that was incorrect. You know, and to me, that's a big skill for a salesperson. It's not just doing it right, but when it doesn't go yeah. right, observing that and understanding that. Yeah, very good. Let's talk on referrals then. Mm. You've, you've mentioned it a couple of times. Yeah. What's the secret to getting loads of referrals? Yeah, so there's two. One is ask. <laughs> Pretty basic. How? Ask. How do you ask? There's two ways, in my experience. So if you've got a... Um, well, I'll do it now with you, right? So you've been an action coach for nearly 10 years? Yeah. yeah. What's your role at action coach? Um, I look after the coaches, so I make sure that the coaching is very high level for the, Perfect. For the clients that we're coaching. Perfect. So you know I run a sales training company, mm-hmm. right? Predominantly, I work with estate agents, financial services, but ultimately companies that sell, okay? Imagine you and me swap jobs. So tomorrow you weren't an action coach, you ran... Tony Morris International, this global sales training company, who would be your first phone call to try and win your first customer? Who would you call? The people I know. Such as? Give me an example. The first one that comes to mind that you would phone where they've got a sales team, they're either in the team, run the team, or run the business with the team. Who would be your first call? Action Coach. Okay. And who, I am now. And who within Action Coach would you phone for the opportunity? The top dogs. Such as? Brad Sugars. Okay. So I'd love you to introduce me to Brad. And I'd like you to say, I know a very good sales training company, Brad, that you need to be speaking to. <laughs> That's how you do it. So by saying, if we swap jobs, you see the world through Whoa. my lens. So, yeah. Real so, power, powerful story, that, isn't it? Mm, and, and it works. But you've got to have the right rapport with someone. I knew I could get away with it with you. Yeah, yeah. Certain clients, it's different behavior personas. Maybe it's not right. So the, the first technique I really like is if we swap jobs. Because people do, they're like, okay, that's clever. I'd phone blah, blah. Well, they've got a creative it. journey like I just went on. Exactly. And we got to Brad Sugars. And, and we I'd didn't, love to we didn't to realize where it was going. I even did. though I asked the you question. You did. I did. Yeah, yeah. Sneaky. Sneaky a little bit. Clever. Clever yeah. rather than sneaky. Fun. So the second way is if you feel that isn't right, it's called positive affirmation. So there's three steps to it. So the first thing you've got to get is positive feedback. Because part of asking is the timing to ask. And I would recommend you ask when you've done something brilliant. So let's say you've helped a client and they're, they're absolutely ecstatic. And they phone you, James, you're a superstar. Thank you so much. And I'll get great. It's my job. I'm delighted. Can I ask, we've been working together now a good few weeks. Feedback's important. How have you found your experience? Now, they've just told you you're great. So they're going to say, well, you're amazing, yeah, blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. And you go, great, I'm really pleased. So look, James, most of my business actually comes from recommendations. With that in mind, who do you know? Friends, family, or previous work colleagues that I may be able to help? Who comes to mind first? Zip. Let them think about the thousand or so people they know. 
and then you're, they're likely to arrive at someone. So you load it for them, family, friends, previous work colleagues. But, you know, salespeople should be even smarter than that. They should be on LinkedIn connecting with every yeah. customer, looking at the, their connections, finding out who, it, who in those connections really are on their hit list, people they'd love to serve. And then I'll say to you, James, I, I see you're connected with Brad Sugars. How do you and Brad know one another? Oh, he's my boss, blah, blah, blah. So I'd love to have a chat with Brad. And the reason I would is blah, blah, blah. Would you be so kind to introduce me? But the key is ask the damn question yeah. and, and choose the right time to ask the question. Asking time in positive affirmation as well, what you said yeah. there as well. You know, that's part of the time. Yeah, of thing, course. But equally schedule it. Look, what gets scheduled gets done. So Andy Bounds taught me that. He said... Every Wednesday, I think he does on a yeah. Wednesday at 8 a.m., he has a, a schedule to say, ask for a referral. I love it. It becomes habitual. It takes about 21 days to become a habit. So now every Wednesday morning, wherever he is in the country or, or globally, he'll ask a client for a referral. And it's not, you won't just phone and say, listen, I haven't spoken to you for a while. You'll have a catch up. Yeah. How's the team? How's business? How's the family? Blah, 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 blah. Say something, James, I've never even asked you. And then you'd go into it. The technique that you're most comfortable with. Very creative ideas coming out of you right now. Good. All right, let's talk about self-development then. Mm. So, be, you know, becoming, achieving potential in sales. Do salespeople, the, the ones that you meet, do they have development plans, career development plans, personal plans in terms of the skills? The, the, the super successful ones do. What kind of plans do they have? So they will have, um, so I use one called the 135, as in what's my ultimate goal? Let's say I want to earn a million pounds a year. What's the three things I'm going to do to contribute to that? Yeah. Let's say, for example, one might be fitness, yeah. one might be family, and one might be business. And then they break down five tasks for those three pillars. And those five tasks are the only things that ever change. But so they, they normally have something like that. They've got a a destination they want to get to with a timeline attached to it and that might be 12 months two years whatever and then they break that down of right what are the strategies i need to employ to to achieve that destination and then they break that down further into five tasks that are manageable and then it's a case of prioritizing those tasks hitting them and then going to the next on a one. daily basis yeah daily basis till it becomes habitual because I've got a podcast called Confessions of a Serial Seller where I interview the best of the best. And what I start to see is common threads amongst is them. Is this like the million pound yeah. a year? Type? The likes of Jeb, Jeffrey yeah. Gittimer, Andy Bounds, etc., uh, And many, many more. And what I start to observe with them is they all have a mentor. They all are into development, mm -hmm. normally into fitness, normally into eating well. Um, yes, they might drink, they might smoke, they might have some bad habits, but they'll be minor bad habits you know mod in moderation yeah. normally and it's no coincidence that all these top performers have more good habits than average performers it's just not coincidence so you know when you start to model them and you understand what they read what they yeah. digest what they consume you start to see similar results so to go back to your question is yes salespeople do but it is always the top one percent there's some sim simplicity in that mm. plan that you said. What's the one big thing? What are the three Absolutely. important areas? And what are the five key tasks? Under those three key pillars. So is that 15 tasks or is it five? Is no, it's 15. It's 15. But, and it depends how you want to do it. So let's say in, in my world, I have um, speaking is one of my pillars that's yeah. going to get me to my £10 million a year goal. Then I have training, which would be my team of experts yeah. going out or me. And then I have my e-learning solution. Now I, so I have a university, it's like a monthly yeah. subscription. So they're my three pillars that's going to get me to my 10 million a year turnover. Um, and every week, every month, I will review the five things I'm doing in each of them. So that's sort of more of a business plan. I then have ones for my relationship with my wife, my kids and my friends and, and family. I have one for personal fitness because, you know, I, I, I want to keep fit, A, to hopefully look good, to feel good and also, you know, healthy well, they say healthy body, healthy mind, right? So for me, it's a non-negotiable. I, I work out four times a week. You couldn't tell, but I do. And I do it so I get into the right frame of mind. You know, I meditate every morning. I listen to an audiobook, audio book every night when I go to bed. I do all these things habitually now because I know it yep. gets me into the best shape, you know, mentally and physically. 
It's a really, really neat way, simple way of looking at a development plan there. Now, even if, even if the business, if I'm employed as a salesperson, even if the business or organization doesn't have that kind of structure in place, mm. suppose, suppose you can have your own notebooks. Of course you can. Your so, own plan. So one I recommend, I call it my success Bible. So I, ha- I have two. I have, well, I've actually got three. I've got a success Bible, a sales Bible, and a speaking Bible. But let's take the success Bible because a lot of salespeople are lone wolves, right? They work remotely. Yeah. Um, and that's great. And, and they can, they're self motivated because they're super successful and they, they have strategies to do that. One of them is know what you want to achieve and have a plan to get there. Yep. That's the biggest strategy. But it can be quite a lonely place. And if I'm not massively into football, but the fact you said Thierry means you probably are, right? So if you look at any good football team, when the coach or manager goes to try and motivate them, they often do it in the trophy room, right? So they're surrounded by success. So for me, a success Bible is like your personal trophy room. So anytime you have any success, it could be your best win. It could be your best testimonial, your best referral, your best lesson. So it's not a win, but it's a good lesson. All those things should go into your success Bible. So when you're having a crap day, crap week, bad month, you look back at it just to remind you, you are pretty damn good. And it's that pick-me-up that we I all I think need. it's important to keep up to date with you that. You have to. You have to. Do, I you, wrote, do you do it when the win comes or do you do it habitually, like the end of every week? Well, what well, have been my big successes? For me, week? it's when it happens. So yesterday, my I got called by Wiley that my book's now gone to print. And that was like, ah, oh, tick. You know, I've I wanted to have a be a Wiley publisher for quite a few years. I got the goal. Well done. It's a nice tick. Yeah, thank you. So that went straight into the success bible. I do it for personal as well. You know, my son, he's fifteen now, but when fingers crossed he passes his driving test, that'll be a success. So it's not just about me. It could be, you know, we're doing housework at the moment and we you know, we are getting some nice things. They're successes, you know, whatever that might look like. Just celebrate my mum's seventieth, we put on a massive seventieth for her. That was success. Because she was delighted, and, and that's key, you know. Got a number of quick fire questions. Please that's go right. for it. What's your favourite book? Oh, so hard, as in sales book or any book. One sales, one of all time. Sales book, probably Sumo. Shut up and move McGee. on. Yeah. yeah, love that book. Um, for book of all time, that's really hard. It's a thriller I read called The Day After Tomorrow. And it was, I can't remember the author, it was nothing to do with the film The Day After Tomorrow, but it was about a, a sort of a cat and mouse around Paris. And it was up to the last two words in the book where you were like, oh, so it was edge of the seat through the whole thing. And the last two words, you were blown away. So for me, it gives me goosebumps just thinking of that book. So it has to be that book for personal um, yeah, and Sumo, I think, it's got to be up there. Sure, I'll move on, yeah. Let Love it. it. Yeah, look. Um, Paul McGee, amazing. Yeah. Favourite movie? So hard, but Pursuit of Happiness. I, I love a true story. I love an inspiring story. And for me, Chris Gardner, wow. You know, what a story. I read the book. Again, gives me goosebumps just thinking about it. It's very emotional as a father. You know, the scene where he's with, with his son in the toilet. But to show what's possible... To go from homeless to a multimillionaire, wow. You know, his beliefs, his value system, you know, you can't beat that. Definitely a feel-good movie. Oh, the best. I've seen it 20 times. Favourite movie? Not movie, favourite music. I'm not madly into my music, but if I probably... The Unforgiven by Metallica. Always love that song. Yeah, so my music taste hasn't really changed... Well, I say it hasn't changed. I love Adele now, um, and that you know was she wasn't around when I was twenty, really into my music. But I still like Counting Crows, that sort of music. Still listen to that, but I'm not mad into my music. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? It's got to be flying. I mean, Superman, what a ledge! Yeah, it'd have to be flying. You can't beat that. Although I'm a bit scared of heights, so to be honest, with you, I'd fly at maybe twelve foot. Because <laughs> yeah. Superman or Iron Man, the both fly. Superman. Always Superman, love Superman. Yeah. I'll join you. I'll be Iron Man next year. Done, <laughs> mate. Done. And I remember I actually saw Superman being filmed in Boreham Wood. So Boreham Wood's got Elstree Studios. And I remember I was a kid and my dad took me. And I was so scared because there was like 23 Supermen walking around. I was like, what, what is going on? And there were extras. But as a kid, I didn't have a clue what that was. So just men in red pants walking around everywhere. It was cool. It was a nice memory. 
Extras or stunt people or yeah. <laughs> one or the other, both. Uh, Favourite holiday destination? It's got to be actually the most recent, South Africa. We had Where did two you go? weeks. We started right at the top, went to, uh, I can't remember the name of the safari, but it was an un- unbelievable smaller one and went all the way down to Cape Town. But it was like my dream two-week bucket list holiday because we hadn't had a holiday like everyone for two Nothing years. Nothing like taking some off the oh, bucket list. It was it? ridiculous. And, you know, with the two kids, my wife, it, it was How magic. old are the kids? 15 and 12. Are they into sales? Funny enough, Harry is the 15-year-old. We're actually writing a book together called um, Selling Through the Eyes of a Child. So I basically explain sales to him and he explains it back from his lens. But to be honest with you, trying to get him to write it is a nightmare. I reckon by the time it, we publish it, it'll be like selling through the eyes of a granddad, <laughs> to be honest. But he's, he's enjoying it, and uh, he wants to do what I do. So, yeah, that's the plan. Early bird or night owl? Early bird. Yeah. How early? Well, I get up at half five every morning to work out. So, you know, again, non-negotiable. Do that four times a week, because uh, I just prefer it. I think it's a nice start to the day. But I also work late as well, which I also quite like. You know, I'll be with a wife, watch some TV, she goes to bed, kids are in bed, and maybe about 10 o'clock I'll do a couple of hours work. I quite like, for me, it's Tentil good thinking. Yeah, n- not every night, but probably three nights a week. Right. It's just good thinking time for me. It's, you know, it's quiet, um, I've got my dog on my lap, and I just work. If you could have one day in someone else's life, past or future, mm. who would you choose? That's an amazing question. Who would I choose? Whoever Liz Hurley is dating at the moment, I'll probably choose that person. <laughs> Comes right. to mind straight away. Um, who would I choose? Probably Brad Pitt. I'd love, you know, A-list celebrity like him. I'd just love to see what the world looks like from his Why lens. Why did you choose Brad Pitt? I've always had a bit of a man crush on Brad Pitt. So fight I'm straight, club. but yeah, fight. fight Club, wow. Seven, I thought seven was pretty up there. Um, I've just, you know, that he's... But I actually imagine it would be quite a disappointment, I reckon, um, because, you know, as a big A-list celebrity, he probably hates the paps the whole time. Yeah. So, but, it, I'd, you know, I think that'd be quite interesting to see the world through his lens. And who've, be, who've been the three biggest trusted advisors in your life? So definitely my current one. So Graham Godfrey's yeah. known as a positive mind shift coach. He's coached me now for about a year. What, what, what do you Game get from changer. him? <sighs> so much. Um, so he's, he came on as a business coach. I've, I've had coaches yeah. for 23 years, but he's, to me, I've had the biggest change. But he's now become more of a personal mentor. So he, just my relationships in life and my mindset is at a different yeah. level. So definitely him. My late dad, I lost my dad, bless him, 16 years ago. It was 17 years ago. He was 55. And it was three months after I set my company up and three months before I got married. So it was bang in the middle of that. So it was two life-changing moments for me or life-changing events. What did, what did your dad help you Cancer. with? Cancer. Oh, sorry. What did he die of? What did he help me with? He taught me to what it's like to work hard because he was a grafter yeah he taught me what it's yeah it's what you said earlier about what mary porter i think you said about being genuine being real beliefs valid my dad was like that yeah really was like that and i think and i you know inherited that and my dad was an amazing speaker you know he he worked for ibm he would do presentations around the world and i remember as a kid just watching him practice i don't think i ever got to see him present apart from a speech at a wedding um but and he, he spoke at my engagement, actually, which was wonderful. But hopefully I've inherited some of his skills, you know. But for me, my goal is to retire at 55. So I've got 11 years. And, and I'm doing that because Dad never got to do that. And I want Dad to sort of see the world through my lens from that point on. So that's my, my why, if you will. And all right, and the third one? Um, I wouldn't say it's trust advisor, but my wife, she is amazing. Like to be fed to put up with me, I, I'm mental. So it's part of well, me. surely you trust her, and she probably does yeah, offer some definitely. advice. Or... <laughs> yeah, she she costs me a lot of money, but but she is she's she is just the most amazing, super intelligent, the most unreal support to me. Does give me such great advice. She she reins me in, and I need to. One of my one feedback to myself is I'm so driven and motivated but I'm and I'm an entrepreneur but I tend to go with the next great idea and I know I need to rein myself in and go that's great but it's not working yeah. towards the 10 million a year turnover so I put it to the side for the moment and I'm learning to do that more and more and she hit she's helping you with oh, that massively, you back yeah in. yeah she really does and I listen to her I value her opinion all right so if, if it, anyone listening right now 
to this. If they could grab hold of one bit to start with, this is the bit that I want to learn from this session mm. and go and implement. What's the one biggest takeaway from what we've discussed that you want them to take? So I, I suppose, obviously, you've got to be in the world of sales. but I, And I think this is... We're cheap. all in sales, though. We're all in, yeah, we are. We are all in sales. It's a really good point. I think that the biggest thing is, and it's so cliche, but don't give up. And most people, sales in life, quit too early. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm a massive believer in, in the... So I think there's two, actually, if I may. One is never quit. Really, if you really believe you can add value to someone, keep going until you get there. And that's my first. My second is, I call it the whale. And what I mean by that is in my company, anyone who invests £100,000 with me on speaking or training becomes the whale. I've landed 37 whales now. But interestingly, 28 of those were tadpoles who knew the whale. And what I've realised, it's not who you speak to, it's who they know. And everyone you know knows someone you don't. And therefore, when we have those prejudgments we make when we speak to someone, we think, oh, they're too small for me, they're not worth my time. It's who are they connected with? Because yes, they might be small right now, and it might not be the biggest opportunity right now. But number one, it could move to that. And number two, you don't know who they're connected with. And if you treat them with absolute world class, and you serve them to the best of your ability, they're going to become a raving fan and introduce you to their network. And there's nothing better than referrals, because you don't need to sell yourself. They do it for you. Beautiful. There's so many bits that I've enjoyed about this session. I think, I think probably the two standout favourite bits for me were... You know the referral mm, story, if we the, jobs. This, this, you know the reverse, whatever it was that, that we did there. I really like that. Plus, I like the simplicity of that plan. Mm. That one big thing, three important areas, five tasks, maybe for each of the three. And I've learned that from an old mentor of mine, Pete Wilkinson. He's known as the One Three Five Business Plan. That's where I got it from, and it is it's simple. It's a one-page document that I look at every single day. And I make sure I stick to it religiously, non-negotiable. Well, if there's anything salespeople want, it's simplicity. Isn't yes, it? that's meaningful. Yeah, that's totally. Create emotion. Totally. Well, what's been your favourite part of today? Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to speak to Brad. Brad Sugars yeah. on the back of your referral. Yeah, nice assumption of absolutely. Assumption. Now, what's been mine? I, I just I enjoy. I've just enjoyed the conversation. You know, it's made me. It's reminded me of certain things that maybe I don't do as often as I should. Um, it goes back to basics. You know, what I notice with the best of the best is they do the basics brilliantly. And it's reminding me of some of the basics that I hope I do most, but I probably don't do all of them. So I think it's given me that kick up the backside to make sure I'm doing all of the things that I talk about. You know, I've, I've interviewed some of the best salespeople on the planet and you've shared some stuff today that I've not heard before. Oh, well, thank you. I'm pleased to hear that. Yeah, I'm so pleased to no, hear that. thank you very much, Tony Morris. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on.